am officially wrecked. Appreciate you, Heidi. Team, thank you. Reverend Pisoni. Amen. Second Kings chapter two. Second Kings two reading from the New King James Version tonight. Would you all stand with us? I know that might be new for you. And some traditions some traditions are no good, but I, I think that's a good one, and so we have a tradition of standing and if you're able to, if you're not able to and you got little ones or whatever, it's no big deal. Not a bunch of pressure, but if you can stand, stand, just in honor of the word. And uh, if you're not able to stand, just stand up on the inside. Amen? Okay, great. Wonderful. Second Kings, chapter 2, verse 6, we do have notes. Haven't had them for a little bit. Second Kings, chapter 2, verse 6. Then Elijah said to him, stay here, please. For the Lord has sent me on to the Jordan. But he said, as the Lord lives, and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. And fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood facing them at a distance, while the two of them stood by the Jordan. Now Elijah took his mantle. Everybody say, took his mantle. Took his mantle, rolled it up, and struck the water, and it divided this way and that. I like the King James. Hither and thither. This way and that in the New King James. So that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. And so it was when they crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask, what may I do for you before I am taken away from you? Elisha said, Please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. Does anybody have the NIV tonight? NIV. What what does that verse say? Nice and loud. Let me inherit. Everybody say, let me inherit. Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit be upon me. Verse 10, so he said, you asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I am taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, shall not be so. Then it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them. Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha saw it and cried out, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. So he saw him no more, and he took hold of his own clothes and he tore them in two pieces. He also took up the mantle, the what? The mantle of Elisha that had fallen from him, and he went back and stood at the bank of the Jordan And he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him. He struck the water and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he had also struck the water, it was divided this way and that. And Elisha crossed over. That's good. Let's stop there. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for what you've done already. Your presence is strong. We sense your stirring. 
Release all that's in your heart. Come. In greater way. Even as your word is preached, let us be changed. Let us be transformed. Let faith be released. Let oppression and discouragement be broken. Let hearts be mended and people brought into a greater knowledge of who you are. We thank you and praise you. If you have the freedom to pray in the Spirit, go ahead and do that now. We give you glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. There are powers at work in the world that cannot be explained by the natural mind, and we call them supernatural. There is supernatural darkness, and there is supernatural goodness or God stuff. The ancients understood the supernatural world. In fact, they have this understanding that they just seem to intertwine. My generation and earlier, I think, were affected by, and we still are to a degree, to, by intellectual pride and modern reason, the scientific method. So if it doesn't fit inside a box or one plus one equals two, if it, doesn't, if it doesn't work by the scientific method or can't be explained by our intellect, then it's, it's discarded. And science really has become a god. But there is a generation that I have found, this new generation, they're really hungry for the supernatural. It could be because of the tremendous amount of occult activity. It could be because of Harry Potter. But I think more than all of that, that awareness that's come through even the demonic, I think... More than all of that, the Holy Spirit is hovering over the earth and He's awakening hearts and quickening them and bringing them to the understanding and the faith that there is a God who's in heaven who's more than able even to raise the dead and heal the sick and set the captives free. God has servants and he's, that He's given His power to And here in this text, we see Elijah, this man. I mean, this dude had some power. He brought down fire on Mount Carmel, burned up all the prophets of Baal. But that wasn't the only time he brought down fire. Do you remember the story when the soldiers came? And they started mouthing off to the prophet. And he turned them all into crispy critters. So they sent another band of soldiers. They did the same thing. Finally, a soldier comes and just bows before him and says, Don't kill me! He had power to shut up the heavens for three and a half years at the word of the Lord, of course. And again to pray and the heavens were open. He outran a horse. I mean, that's fast. I used to have some wheels when I was in school. I think I've slowed down significantly, but he could outrun a horse under the anointing. He provided for a, a family, made their house into an oil factory, an oil well or whatever you want to call it. Produce oil until all the vessels were full. A lot of wealth that lady got. He raised the dead. It's God's desire for the power of God to flow in this generation. And not just an Elisha generation, but an Elisha generation. It's God's desire to pass his power from one generation to the next. To never leave the world without a people whose his power flows through. I'm so grieved as I look throughout Christendom and see powerless Christianity. See people who 
can't seem to break free. And it's not God, what God has intended. God has intended for you to walk in power. God has intended for you to walk in authority. Let's look at the text. You ready? So Elisha is the servant of Elijah, and he won't leave Elijah's side. He just will not go away. And if you read the whole story, over and over, he's discouraged from going on with Elijah, but he continues. Something in the heart of Elisha. Something in the heart of Elisha kept him moving forward. And I believe that something was, was of course, placed there by the Lord, but it was the key, really, verse 9. Elijah wanted his inheritance there's an inheritance that this generation needs to receive. I find myself middle-aged. It's awesome. I love it. You know, it's a great thing when you really don't care, give a fig about what anybody thinks about you anymore. It's very liberating. That's so self-consumed with whether somebody likes the fact that I don't have hair or the shirt that I wear. I like my shirt. I, 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 you know what I mean? When I was younger, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Although I, my body creaks a little bit more. And I went to go get my, my license renewed. And I have, I have had amazing vision. I mean like really good vision. I go to look at the read line 5 test. I whip through it. And she says, you need to read the last section, the last square. I said, it's empty. She said, no, it's not. I, I thought somebody hit me with a baseball bat. She said, close one eye. I closed one eye and poof, there it was. I thought, devil, I bind you right now. I think I've received a healing since then. Because I'm going to have perfect eyes. I'm not going to wear glasses in Jesus' name. Amen. But I found... I found that there is an inheritance that we need to pass on. I've become a father in this thing. You know, this generation, if you're alive, it's this generation. You know that, right? But there has to be a passing on. Elijah passed on an inheritance to Elijah. What are you passing on? The key verse here is verse 9. Elijah wanted his inheritance. Elisha wanted his inheritance. He saw himself as Elijah's son. In fact, he calls him father. The inheritance was a double portion. I believe it really ties into Deuteronomy 21. And you can turn there if you like, but I'll read it to you. Deuteronomy 21, verse 17. You must acknowledge the son. And it talks about giving him a double portion. It's, it's really a Hebrew phrase or Hebrew thought. It's an inheritance. He wanted the double portion of the Spirit of God that was upon him. The problem, this was so hard because it was only something that God could give. You know, I've been in services and many, many of you have as well. Come and receive the double portion. I, I think the double portion comes to sons. In fact, it's interesting to me that my son was getting so touched by the Spirit of God. My son was wrecked on the front row, weeping, my nine-year-old. 
He's upstairs having a great time. Whenever my son starts weeping, I know something deep's happening in people. He's like a piece of litmus paper. When he when he crumbles, it's something something's happening. Even when he doesn't, something's happening. But it was it was interesting on a night that I would preach about an inheritance and about being fathers and sons that my son would get him under the power of God. Tears rolling down his face, his nine year old with his face buried in his hands. Getting touched by the Lord. We have to pass something on to this next generation. We have to pass something on. And if you, don't have, if you don't have the something, if you don't have the Spirit of God, then you have to receive that before you can release it to God's beloved sons and daughters. So when Elijah is taken up to heaven, the mantle drops to the ground, and Elisha picks up the mantle. Elijah did with the mantle what Elijah had done and had the same results. The power of God worked through Elijah, was now working through Elijah. God spoke to me today to bring you this message. And really the message is this, that he desires to move through this next generation. He desires his people in every generation to have his power at work through them. In the Old Testament, you see, very few people had that experience. Not so in the New Testament. You say, no, it's not so. No, it's not. I remember I was on the island of Molokai, and I think I pitched up, picked up a hitchhiker and was going to witness to him. He began to tell me that he was a part of some small church, and, and that church had some vessels. I said, what? What do you mean? Well, we've got some vessels at our church. I said, what do you mean you've got some vessels at your church? I said, we got vessels too, man. I didn't know what the guy was talking about. He said, no, we got some vessels that the power of the Holy Spirit flows through. I said, we're all supposed to be vessels, bro. He said, no, no, there's, there's, there's special people. I said, what church do you go to? <laughs> And we went back and forth, and it was really like a, a cult that he was a part of. Can I tell you something? Everybody, if you're breathing tonight, you're a vessel. God's power is supposed to flow through you. To you and through you. To you to help you, through you to help others. So very few in the Old Testament had that experience. Prophets, kings, priests. In the New Testament, however, every believer can have God's power at work. Acts chapter 1-8 says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. It's the anointing. The anointing, the God enablement, the power that comes from God to live for Him, to resist sin, and to touch the lives of men and women and children. It's the anointing that makes a difference. It's not eloquence of speech. It's not our intellect, our good looks, or the lack of them. It is the anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage. There is a whole world of people that are under bondage. You might even be here tonight struggling with thoughts, tormented maybe, in your dreams at night. You don't have to stay that way. 
you can get delivered. You can get free. Acts chapter 2, verse 17 says, And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I'll pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. I'm dreaming more, so I'm starting to think that maybe. But I am also having visions, so I think I'm middle-aged, like I said. I'll pour out my spirit on those days, and they shall prophesy, quoting Joel 2. Elisha shows that in order to receive, one must do certain things. How many of you want to go to the next level in God? Okay, I think all of us, honestly, we were honest. See, if that's not your heart's desire, it's just because you might be deceived for tonight. But once your eyes are open, you realize, oh my goodness, I want more of God. And so you start hungering for more of God. Now God wants to release more. And there is certain things that, that we can do, gleaning even from this text, to contend for the more. To contend for the power of God. I was with another great man of God and woman of God last night, and we were talking began to share just some of our prophetic history, my wife and I. And I just started to get hungry again. It made me hungry. It just made me hungry. Karen and I met and we were in the way of what God wanted to do in each other, so the Lord broke us up. During those four months that we were broken up, God came and visited me. And visited Karen too. We burned everything. Broke the soul tie. Ended it. It was over. She sat on the far side of the church and I sat on the other side. I was worked at night. She worked during the day and I never saw her. And it was done. It was over. It was something the Lord took from us and we just didn't know what was going to happen. But God came to visit me in my apartment. That's when I danced with the Lord. Every night. Oh yeah. just He would hold me and I would weep and he would heal me. And I began to understand how the Apostle Paul said, you know, could live that that life of celibate. Totally separated. I I never needed it. it I mean, I got totally delivered from relationship addiction. By the way, that was the last addiction that left. And I've found that that usually is the last one that goes. For those of you that have struggled with life-controlling problems. So he broke that relationship thing and then he made me highly addicted to him. I just thought, I'm not trading this with... I'm not giving this up for anybody. It's just you and me. We're just going to... Oh, we're just going to do whatever you want us to do, God. I'm, I'm, I'm just... That's it. I just couldn't hardly wait to get home, to get in the Word, to pray, to weep, to have him hold me, talk to me, talk to me about what he wanted to do, witness to people, get people saved. I mean, every day was like this breakout of... Oh, God, everywhere. And I was in church service, and I was so messed up in the Lord, not entirely unlike tonight. And I walked out. I was usually the last person to leave church. And I was like, I was the guy that closed the door because I was single and it's all good. And they would just worship and we would stay and I would weep and cry. And like when it was time to turn the lights off, like that's when I went, left. I'd leave then. Driving home, pardon me, I was leaving the service and 
I think it was a morning service, if I remember, or it should have, could have been a special speaker. It was daylight, I remember that, and I hear the voice of the Lord. And he says, turn around and look at your bride. I turn around and I have an open vision. Uh, I mean, like clouds, like something you see out of a movie. My eyes are wide open. Clouds, wedding dress. The most unbelievably fine-looking woman, Karen, coming towards me. And, and I'm, I'm just in shock. And she gets closer and closer and closer and closer. And the vision fades, and Karen is looking at my face this far away. And she says, are you okay? I said, No. I said, i got to go. She says, okay, bye. I said, bye. I went off to my car and I drove home and I was weeping that God was finally going to give me a wife. Just, I don't know, like when I didn't need one, when I didn't have to have it, then he gave it to me. You ever notice how he does that? I have to have it. Well, you have to wait then. I finally found the Lord and got healed and delivered. He says, now I can give you a wife. That's awesome. Way to go. I set this radical fleece out for the Lord, which was, okay, because I don't want to screw this up. I understand there can be deception. I don't want to blow this. So I need like this to happen. I want to be called out by a prophet. I want to see it in the Word. And none of this random, really, maybe overboard fleece. My mother had an engagement ring that was, the stones were from England when my family came over to America. So we're talking many generations that had been passed down. And she had promised it to me, but never gave it to me. And I had been married before and divorced before I got saved and delivered. I, would, I wanted that ring given to me, but I wasn't going to ask for it. And it was really far out because really my mom didn't like Karen. So I thought, that happens, we'll know for sure. Well, Cindy Jacobs, you ever heard of her? Small ministry. She called me out and prophesied basically everything I needed to know. I was going to get married. God showed me the woman, all of it. Prophesied that. I'm just freaked out. Everything I read in the Bible, marriage, 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 supper of the Lamb, the beginning, Genesis, all the way through. I see marriage everywhere. But I couldn't read something and not see it. It was everywhere. We were in the recording of our second album, on the front row of the church. After those two fleeces coming past, we started courting and we were falling in love for sure. But I still didn't need that last one. My mother gets hit by the power of God, falls out on the front row, and I thought she was just being dramatic. I'm like, whatever, Mom, praise the Lord. Okay, hallelujah. She finally gets up off the floor and she's got something in her hand and she's weeping and crying. She gets a hold of herself and she hits me and goes like this, puts her hand out and finally realizes she wants to hand me something. I put my hand out and she drops a ring in my hand. I closed that and cried and cried and cried and wept and worshipped for a whole other song. I mean, I just really, I thought this is it. Uh, a moment came. And I turned on one knee. I said, will you marry me? 
tears were leaping off of her eyes. And she, she, couldn't, she couldn't even talk. I never saw tears leap. I shared that with this couple last night. and I, I began to get hungry for dreams. I began to get hungry for vision and the supernatural. I began to get hungry again to contend, to even fast and to pray, which is really a part of the, the lifestyle of a believer. There's certain things if you want the double portion, it doesn't just happen because you're pretty, because you're handsome, because you go to church. You want a real release of the power of God that's going to change your life and change nations. It does not happen by some sloppy agape and living for God any which way you want to and Him just winking at you and it's going to be okay. Well, you might make it to heaven that way, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about changing a generation and leaving an inheritance for your children should the Lord tarry. So the first thing is, we must desire to have God's Spirit. We must what? Desire to have God's Spirit. Jude 3. I find it, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend. The word contend. He's a heavyweight contender. What is that? A fighter. To fight earnestly for the faith, which was once for all delivered to the saints. You know, you've got to be somewhat hungry for God to be in church on a Tuesday night, and I, I just bless you. This is what a random idea to have church on a Tuesday night. It's just so us. What time's your midweek? Tuesday, huh? Yeah. To contend means to fight for something while striving against the difficulties that hinder its release. Have a vision to walk in the fullness of God. Have a vision to walk in the power of God. Have a vision. Don't just contend for a couple goosebumps on a Sunday for the love of Jesus. There's something more than goosebumps. Intimacy with Him. Hearing His voice. Jude exhorts us to fight earnestly and to walk in the faith originally given. We could preach this message in the series Returning to the Ancient Paths. There has been such a sloppy doctrine. You need to contend for right doctrine. We need to contend for the power of God. Oh, we need to contend for a lifestyle. That's a New Testament lifestyle. You need to contend for that. That doesn't mean watching whatever you want to watch and doing whatever you want to do. You have to fight against the flesh. You know, I, I, I work out and I, I, I train. I, I Honestly, I, I hate it. I'm, I'm like not into it, really. I, I, mean, I like the results of feeling strong and feeling a little quicker, even though I hurt more than I did when I was in my 20s. But my workout is pure torture. I was asking myself, and I, 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 try, to get my, I try to get my family to do it, and they, they do different things and stuff, but I want them to suffer along with the suffering that I'm doing, and they're just not into it. They've got their own plan. And it, and it works for them and it's great. But I want somebody to bleed through this workout with me. And, and I just felt like the Lord said today, no, it's just, it's not, it's you and me. I said, yeah. And I'm doing this stuff. I can't do it. That, I, I mean, I'm not into losing. Does, does anybody, anybody know what? I don't like losing. When he's not everything, it's the only thing. Amen? Praise the Lord. I mean, that's why I'm a believer. I'm on the winning team. 
Hallelujah. I never liked losing. I didn't train to lose. I'm into winning. And so I always play these games with myself as I do these... I, I run around like a chicken in my living room with these videos. And I pray to God nobody comes to my front door. My house is small. You just, you know... I'm going to have a gated house. The next one. It's in, it's in Deuteronomy. Yeah, gated houses. Anyway, I'm claiming that. I pray nobody shows up my front door because they'll see me bouncing around like a, some kind of a fool, you know. Terrible. I'd be ugly. Would that be ugly? That'd be ugly, man. Oh, thank you, Jesus. And so, you know, these this guys from Jersey's Sean T is his name. He's he do this thing called Asylum. You should get a clue from the name of the video that it, it's half crazy. Anyway, they get to this point where they just leave me in the dust. I can't do it. I push. I wear a heart rate monitor. My heart rate soars to the very top. And the reason I have that is because I know sort of the way that I don't like half crazy. I'd probably push myself to the place where it wouldn't be good. So I push myself out. I look and I'm, I'm peeking. And, I, and it's just like I talk to myself. Too high. Your heart's too high. Your heart's too high. <laughs> the Lord spoke to me today. It's, it's, it's not the physical exercise. It's the putting down of my flesh. It's the contending for, for discipline. Disciplining my flesh. Disciplining. Dis, you have to have discipline in your life. You have to contend. Contend for New Testament. You have to contend for your prayer life. You have to contend. It's not fun to fast. The results are awesome. It's good to go hungry. You don't feel good on you. The results are the bomb. You have to fight for your prayer life. You want to go home, God wants to call you to prayer, but you've got that red box movie. Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah, blockbusters closed because you've all been going to red box. Saved you some money, but it's ripping off your prayer time. You have to contend. Oh, Netflix. Only eight ninety five. Netflix. It's a history channel, all kinds of stuff on there. Yeah, but you're supposed to... The Lord's calling you to prayer, but you're addicted to Netflix. Hopefully you're watching stuff on there that you can watch with Jesus. You have to have a desire for the Spirit of God. You have to contend for a lifestyle of the power of God, a lifestyle of prayer. Your flesh does not want to do it. There's other people that don't think it's cool. But there is a generation, there is an, an Elisha generation that wants to double portion that God's going to give it to. But it's only going to be given to those people who really desire that. Elisha could was put off. I mean, he even had the sons of the prophets. Look at those knuckleheads, those religious people. Hey, have you heard your master's being taken today? Yeah, I heard. Well, how about that? How about that? Praise the Lord. And they go off and they sit there and listen to their vineyard tapes or something. I don't know what they did. But they didn't go after. It, it reminds me of when Jesus comes to... Jesus comes, he's being born in Bethlehem, comes out of time, steps into time, out of eternity, put on robes of flesh for you and me, a little baby, born in Bethlehem. The three wise guys come. We call them three. We don't know if there was three. They only gave three gifts. We call them the three wise, wise men. They're definitely wise, but we don't know how many they were. They gave three gifts. Frankincense, gold, and myrrh. All prophetic gifts. They come to Herod and they say, we've come to worship the, the one who's born king. And, and Herod's like, really? Me too. 
uh, let's call the religious people. They call the religious people. Where, where's the Messiah going to be born? And the religious people say, oh, uh, Bethlehem. All right, great. Oh, he's going to be born in Bethlehem. Hey, when you find him, come back. We want to worship him too. And they go off to Bethlehem. Is it not amazing to you? Is it not amazing that the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the couldn't sees, the wouldn't sees did not go? What? It, I mean, come on. If you were in the church and you knew the Messiah was coming, I mean, wouldn't you go? When you're hungry for God, you go to church. When you're hungry for God, you read your Bible. When you're hungry for God, you just can't wait to the next service. You just can't wait to get in prayer. And I know the enemy comes to steal that from you, but you've got to contend. You should see me before I press my my, my little workout thing sometimes. I'm just like, oh, the love of God. I get in my stupid little outfit, which is not matching, praise the Lord, and I just go, whatever. And I have my little glass of water, and I just go, Jesus, help me. I take a drink of water. I don't want to be there. But I'm committed. And there are times where I talk myself out of it, but it, it can't be day after day. I'll give myself, I don't want to be too, I, I, I do these, I, I, am I the only weird one here? I'm like, don't be too religious and structured with your workout. Just, you know, come on, grace. Physical exercises of some value. Godliness is the value of all things. So you can have a day off. I'll have a day off. And the flesh, the flesh says, you're really sore, so you just recover another day. Maybe you talk yourself into that, but day three? Day three? Day three comes and you're like, oh, physical, shut up. Oh, right. Yeah, I got to get You have to contend. You have to contend for power. You have to have a desire for the power of God. Come on, somebody say amen. Number two, you must believe that we can receive it. Some of you are in a place where you just don't even think it's for you. Like that guy that I picked up in Molokai that said, we have chosen vessels in our church. What? Chosen vessels? Everybody's a chosen vessel. Who sold you that bill of goods? What kind of nonsense is that? Oh, you're, oh, what? Because you're native Alaskan, you can't be filled? Ah, wrong. Oh, because you're black? Ah, wrong. Filipino? Ah, wrong. Too old? Too young? Is any, are there any sons here? You're a son. That would be any man. Or boy. Raise your hand high. All right, if you're confused, we can pray for you later. I'm totally serious. Because God can help you from even that. Are there any daughters here? Where All the daughters. There you go. I, I like this one. I remember here. Okay, so everyone here is a son or a daughter. Am I right? Then you qualify. According to prophecy, according to Scripture. He's pouring out His Spirit on sons and daughters. But you've got to believe that you can receive it. Elisha was, not, Elisha was not ashamed to say, I want my inheritance. What do you want? What are you believing for in God? The third thing is that there was a sign that Elisha had the power and there's a sign today. He said, there is? Yeah, there is. There was a sign that he had the power. What was it? He picked up this mantle. What was a mantle? I, you know, I've tried to read different things on it, and there's all kinds of stuff out there. But I, apparently it's this, it's, it's this hairy fabric thing. Like a cloak. Hairy cloak. John the Baptist had one. 
Camel hair. Had a, you know, some, I've read this, I don't know if it's true, but some say that John the Baptist actually wore the mantle of Elisha because his father, Zechariah, was in the temple, was able to get a hold of it and gave it to his son. The one in the voice of the wilderness. The mantle was a sign. The power of the mantle that's released to separate. So what are there's a sign today. You say, what is that? Acts chapter 2, you see the, pe- the people being filled with the Spirit and they speak in other tongues. In Acts chapter 10, at Cornelius' house, you see, you see the same thing. They're, these Gentiles, they're non-Jews, yet they believe and Peter speaks to them. He had a vision, so he crossed over his tradition about not entering a Gentile home and considered it, considering it unclean. And he preached, and when he preached, the power of God, the Holy Spirit fell on the Gentiles, and they began to speak with other tongues. It was a sign. You see, in Acts chapter 19, Paul, the Apostle Paul, comes to some believers, so he thought, and he asked them, the very first thing he asked them, have you been filled with the Spirit since you believed? Isn't that funny? Can you imagine that if we walk around? What church do you go to? Oh, so-and-so. You've been filled with the Spirit? That's, that, that's, what, that's like what he did. That would be offensive to some. We've reduced the, filling of the infilling of the Spirit to some kind of a doctrine. Speaking in tongues. But there is a sign like the mantle. And, and you need to be filled with the Spirit. You, you need to be filled with the Spirit. If you're not filled with the Spirit, you'll have no power to resist the enemy. No power to live for God. I mean, you'll just be hindered. You've got to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You need a prayer language, which is the least of the gifts, I think. But you still, you still need it. It's a tremendous thing to pray in a language from heaven where He prays through you. I can tell you testimony after testimony about how God intervened in our lives, how I was about to crash and God grabbed my wife, fiance, I think at the time, right after the vision, and you said yes. I went off the road on my bike in a lava field and I was destined to get very cut up. Going 20 miles an hour into ooh-ooh lava. I mean, it's ooh-ooh and ah-ah. Ooh, ooh, lava is the sharp stuff. Ooh, 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 ooh. It's when you walk on it. Ah, ah, lava is ah, smooth. This is the ooh, ooh kind. Yeah, if you go like this, you rip your hand. I'm crashing my bike. I'm, I'm, I'm crashing. My bike went back on the road. It was the exact time we marked our, marched our clocks. The Holy Spirit grabbed her. She was on her way to work, and the Lord stopped her. She prayed fervently in, in, a, in a prayer language from heaven, and God saved my face. That's just one of one of many. There was a sign that Elijah had the power as the striking of the water. There's a sign that you have power from God. And I will tell you, it's not just speaking in tongues. It's a life that's transformed. It's a life that when you go into supermarkets and into marketplaces, and when the enemy springs up in your life, you rise up in a God-given authority and begin to walk in, 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 in strength and, and command. And it doesn't shrink back. There's a boldness that comes from the Spirit. Somebody said to me, you know what I like coming to your church? Because, man, you, you really like, you preach strong. Yeah, because I'm filled with the Spirit. And I feel something different in here. Yeah, it's the Holy Ghost. 
Not that the Holy Spirit isn't in other churches. Of course, of course he is. He's a gentleman. You know what I found? He'll move as much as we let him. Let me say that again. The Holy Spirit will move as much as you let him. And many times we don't give him a yieldedness. We have something in our mind of what we want to do. And as a result, he can move within that little framework of that 15 minutes that we give him in a service maybe. In our Pentecostal liturgy. Oh, I hunger for the more of the power of God. Come on, somebody say, I hunger for the more of the power of God. Would you come, Heidi? The mantle rested on a person, but it's a picture, I believe, it's a picture of, it's a picture of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but I think it's also a picture of laying on of hands. It's also a picture of laying on of hands. Now, Hebrews, I believe it's chapter 5. Chapter 5, let's turn there, let's look. Hebrews. Matthew, Mark, Luke, Hebrews. Six. Hey, where is the Lord God of Elijah? Oh, I want more of you. Yes, I do, God. Visions and dreams, supernatural power for your glory, intimacy through which comes fruitfulness. Many people are trying to be fruitful and walk in power but have no intimacy. It will never work. You've got to guard your heart. You've got to hunger for God and walk with Him and do the right thing and pray and contend and believe and trust. Sacrifice. Hebrews 6 says, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance of dead works, faith towards God, the doctrine of baptisms, of the laying on of hands. Anybody gone to elementary school? So what what the writer of Hebrews, we don't we don't know for sure who wrote it. We know it's under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The writer of Hebrews, under the unction of God, says, Let us leave elementary school. And he names some of the elementary school classes, one of which is the laying on of hands. Now, here's the thing that boggles my mind. Why is it that there's not more in the body of Christ that use this? Because it's not cool. Or maybe we don't want our hair messed up. It's an elementary thing. That the mantle, the mantle coming out of Elijah's, to me, it's a picture. Of laying on of hands. It's said of, it's said of Joshua. That Joshua was full of wisdom. Because Moses laid his hands on him. Wow. Joshua was full of wisdom. Because what? Because Moses laid his hands on him. I will tell you that there is more that has happened to me at altars. That ever happened through my own study. Although many, many things have happened to me at study and sitting in services. But the power of impartation. We need to lay hands on this next generation. You need to lay hands on your wife. Lay hands on your husband. Lay hands on your dog. 
You need to lay hands on, on, on people. Because people need a new mantle. People need the power of God and the power of God frequently. I mean, the Holy Spirit can fall on people even as Cornelius preached. The Holy Spirit's even falling now as I'm preaching. But there absolutely is this, this elementary principle of the laying on of hands. And when the hands are laid on people, power's released. People get healed. People get free. People get delivered. Bondages get broken. Addictions get smashed. There's the principle of a mantle that can come upon your life through the laying on of hands. And many people never respond because they're afraid. The southern man from North Carolina goes to the outpouring of the Spirit of God in, in California in a, in a horse stall It started. You know it as Azusa Street. He stayed there for three weeks and God said, you go up and get prayer from that one-eyed black man. William Seymour. God's got a sense of humor. He had one eye. He said, I will not go up and have any black man pray for me. He was prejudiced. And the Lord just basically said, I don't think this is the quote, but you can sit there till you rot then, Slick. But that was the essence of it. You know. Well, then you're not going to get any infilling. You're not getting any power. After three weeks, he broke. He repented. He came to the front. He had hands laid on him. The fire of the Holy Ghost filled him, touched him. He began to speak with other tongues. He was overwhelmed by God's power. Went back to North Carolina and spread churches everywhere. Those churches are still alive today. Still flourishing today because of the power of God. There's a mantle that God wants to release in your life. That God wants to release to this next generation. And it will come through bold people contending for the power of God, laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover. It'll come by a generation that says, you know what? I'm not going to settle for Harry Potter. I'm not going to play with a Ouija board. I want the real deal. If you're God, come and mess me up. If you're the Lord, come and fill me. Come and touch me. Take away this, this desire to cut myself. Take away the desire for, for, for suicide. Free me from the lust. The chains of pornography. God's got power like that. But sometimes you've got to get out and get off of your blessed assurance and go get it. Get off of the pew. Lastly, we are one generation from being dead. A dead church. We're one generation. Just one. We're one generation from being a dead church. So, we have to be filled with the Spirit. No matter what age you are, you've got to be filled. You've got to get a new mantle, and you've got to pass it on. Can you say amen? Stand up on your feet and thrust your hands into the heavens and call on Him. Come on, call on Him. Call on the Lord tonight. Holy Spirit, even as you fell in the day of Cornelius and Peter, I pray and ask that you would do the same now. Let your spirit come. Let your spirit come. Holy Spirit, come. Tonight. 
If you've never been filled with the Spirit or you just want a touch from God, you know God's spoken to you. Get out from where you're standing. Come to the front. This could be your night of breakthrough. This could be the night where God touches you, fills you to a new, new degree, a new level. Come on, go after God. Oh, there should be more up here. Don't let, don't let your, don't let your pride keep you back. You know you need more of God. Hey, yeah. Come like a fire. Come like a flood. Let your wind blow. Let your fire fall. Fill your people. Fill your people. You want to experience the power of God? Just come to the front. Service is almost over, but really it should never end. You go on to your car to continue to worship and sing. Go on to your home to continue to worship and sing. Put up the Netflix. Put away the red box. Go after God. There's a generation. There's an Elijah generation. An Elijah and Elisha generation that God is raising up in this hour. This is the hour. Come on, what you need, only God can give you. Man can't give it to you. Get hungry. Get thirsty for God. Call out to Him. Cry out to Him. Holy Spirit, come! Let the wind blow, let the fire fall tonight, fall tonight. Let the wind blow, let the fire fall. Oh, oh, let the wind blow. Come tonight, come tonight, Lord. Let the wind blow, let the fire fall. Come on, sing with me. Let the wind blow, let the fire fall. Holy Ghost! Jesus. Fire. Let your fire fall, let your wind blow. Let now. your glory come down. Fire! Woo. Let your fire fall, let your wind blow. Fire! Let your glory come down. Fire! fire. Let your fire fall, let your wind blow. Let your glory come down. Let your fire fall. Let your wind blow. Let your glory come down. Let your fire fall. Let your wind blow. Holy Ghost. Let your glory come down. Let your fire fall. Let your wind blow. Let your glory come down. Let your fire fall. Let your wind blow. Fill your people. Glory come down. Let your glory come down. Come on, turn your brain off. Open your heart and receive.
There's nothing wrong with you. If you've confessed your sins to Him, He's forgiven you. It's underneath the blood. That's what makes you worthy. Your righteous acts don't make you worthy. What makes you worthy is the blood. Somebody needs to hear this. You're not worthy because you go to church. You're not worthy because you call yourself a Christian because you read your Bible. You're not worthy because you give or tithe. You're not worthy for anything that you do in the natural. It is by making a choice in your heart to say, I believe that God sent His only begotten Son for me to die on a cross, to rise again from the grave for me. I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. Lord, forgive me. Thank you that you died in my place so I don't have to. Come into my heart and be my Lord and be my Savior. And He says, yes. And He steps in and He takes over. That's called being born again. That's Christianity. That's what makes you worthy. The fact that His blood, His death, He paid the price that that He didn't have to pay. But He did it by His own love. He paid a debt that He didn't know. For you. For me. That's what makes you worthy. And when you realize that, You'll stand up and your God-given, blood-bought right and begin to do something for God. You just want to please Him. You just want to live for Him. You know, why, would I, why would I want to break your heart? You're awesome! Oh, thank you, God! And you begin to live for Him. And that is the righteous works that begin to happen because without, without works, faith is dead. That's what makes you worthy. I'm, no, I'm just a worm. Quit spitting at the finished work of Jesus. Accept His finished work on the cross. Stop living in shame and receive His free gift of righteousness. Let the wind blow. Come on. Phil. Be filled tonight. Father, I believe you're raising up a generation that will contend for a lifestyle that glorifies you, that will contend, stand for right doctrine, that will contend for your power.
Lord, we want to know you. Not just your blessings, we want to know you. We want to be filled with the knowledge of God. Give us a hunger. Cut away. Cut away the calluses. Circumcise our hearts, O God. Let us not be numb and apathetic in our own lives and the lives of this generation. Raise up reformers. George Whitfield, thousands came to hear him preach. He preached two times a day without a microphone and brought about the, a great revival in New England. You could do that here. I ask you to do it. We're asking tonight. We're asking tonight for a great, great reformation. It can only come Lord, not by eloquence or some smooth talking or performance. It'll only come by your power being manifested. And Lord, we find ourselves so short. We're thankful, God. But with a godly discontent, we we cry out tonight. I cry out tonight, God, even in my own life. So bankrupt I am at times. I long for you to come. I long for you to breathe your fresh wind upon my life, Lord. I don't want to just lay hands on people and see nothing happen. I want to see you glorified. I want to see you magnified. I want to see you high and lifted up. I want to see your name magnified and glorified. We've heard of your great fame, O oh God, and how you've done it in times past and generations long ago. We heard how you brought them out of Egypt and how you set them free. How you parted the Red Sea. We've heard, God, how you set the captives free and healed the sick and raised the dead. We've heard. We've heard of your great fame. And we ask you, Lord, tonight, renew them in our day. Renew them in our day, O oh God. Renew them in our day, O oh God. Summon your power, God, as smoke is driven away. So drive away the smoke of the demonic. Lord, pour forth your spirit in a mighty prayer movement. Come, O oh God, like a mighty rushing wind. Come, God, like a mighty outpouring. Come like fire. Come like wind. Come like rain, oh God. Come. Don't leave us. Don't leave us. Don't pass us by. Forgive us, Lord, for at times that we've become religious. Come afresh upon King's Chapel. Lord, I Pray forth the prophetic word that we will be a house that is not known for programs. It will be known because you are here. That your glory is here. Remove the scoffer and the mocker that's even within our own hearts. And bring a mighty outpouring of the kingdom of God. Signs and wonders. Miracles. Signs and wonders and miracles. To testify that you have risen again from the grave. Prepare your bride. Prepare your church. Prepare your people. 
for the days ahead are fraught with difficulty and even suffering. But God, You, You are going to clothe us with power. You're the only answer. The government's not the answer. More money's not the answer. Economics is not the answer. You are the answer. Forgive us for all the babies that have been murdered in our country. Forgive us for the confusion and the the degradation, the sanctity of marriage. Forgive us, Lord. Even seeing schools that don't have the Word of God anymore. We contend. We contend. Won't you come? Baptize us in hunger. Open the heavens. Come to Alaska. Come to the United States again. Come. Raise up an Elijah generation. We pray. We love you and we bless you tonight. Feel free to stay. Good to have some time at the altar. Like I said, Netflix can wait. It'll be there tomorrow. Don't be in a rush. Sort of touch you. Some of you are on the operating table of heaven. You let him have his way. If you need to slip out, you can do that quietly. Heidi, would you just continue to worship God? We love you and bless you tonight. The altar is open. Feel free to seek Him. It's time for a great outpouring. It will come in direct response to our prayer and our hunger. Go after God. Go after God.